0: Thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate it.
1: No problem. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Oh no, I've I've been following you for a while, and I go, well, how, "How do we get her on? What are we talking about?" And so I said, "Ah, we're just gonna talk to her." Let's, let's, Perfect. Let's, let's let's figure this let's figure this uh, this thing out. Um, and you can talk about all your all your work and stuff, right? There's nothing you you need to hold back.
1: Uh, I don't think so. Um. All right. Yeah, we found the only... some research. no. What's that? Sorry,
0: we found some research.
1: You found some research, you found some research.
2: Kind of
0: people always English say, language I, is that I, I ask, I ask people, is there anything you don't want us to talk about? He goes, Whoa, it depends. What did you find?
2: So.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh, that kind of research. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think there's anything I can't talk about. Um, the only thing would be like participant confidentiality, but that's. Not usually an issue, so okay. yeah, I think we're good.
2: Are we allowed to before? Are we allowed to bring up people we know that you've worked with because you have posted that?
1: Yeah, so the, yeah. yeah, all my participants sign a confidentiality um, waiver essentially yeah. before I post that stuff. Cool. So any anything that's been posted in public, they've consented to that, and we can discuss all of that. Yeah,
0: okay.
2: Because yeah, we, we're looking, we're looking for the juice on like Burrows and miles and. Others, <laughs> just just saying.
0: <laughs> who's the yeah. most fit jumper, and who's like wildly out of shape? That's well, that I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so there is. Okay. <laughs> Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Nadia Azar. I am an associate professor of kinesiology at the University of Windsor, where I do research on rock stars. Welcome to the music.
2: Welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome. Uh Dr. Natty, it's a pleasure to have you join us. Really looking forward to diving into this topic. It's it's uh a little it's very different than a lot of the discussions that we've had. So very excited about that. Um I I, I, I do want to start off. I know you talk about, you know, and we'll get into it in terms of drummers being athletes, but I, I do wanna say that. Um, back when I was a musician, back in the day, I burnt more than my fair share of calories rocking the guitar. Okay. So I just, Mm -hmm. let's do a level set here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, what I was where, you know, where I really want to go is, is it's fascinating. Um, I think of, you know, I curled for many years. Um, it, it's interesting. As a kid, um, Ed Wernick, who was a world champion curler, I remember I was a kid at the Whitby Curling Club, and he'd be sitting there with his smokes and his his glass of, you know, rye and, and ginger or whatever whatever he was drinking. We're playing Pac-Man and just hanging out kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to today, and, you know, a friend of creams and mine and through mutual friends, um, John Epping, you know talks about you know how disciplined the team need to be um you know and it's just very different you look at race car drivers you know you can look at a a number of professions so you know I think it's really interesting I'd love to get to know more you talk about you know your overall goal is to deliver to drummers what Mm -hmm. athletes are getting um how did you like where did this come from how did you I know you're you know through your, your practice but like mm-hmm. uh, how, how did you get here if I may ask?
1: Uh, it was very serendipitous so this was probably six or so years ago now I uh, wasn't big on social media at the time but I followed a few people and one of the drummers that I followed was Mike Mangini of Dream Theater because I'm a huge Dream Theater fan And, um, he tweeted out something one day about being sore from playing the drums, but not because he was hurt, but because it was more of like a boxing type workout. And I had actually just read a study on like muscle activation in MMA fighters. And I thought, oh, this is too good to pass up. So I I tweeted something back at him and he wrote back to me and then we were, you know, DMing and we had a conversation over Skype. And then I started looking at literature and realized there was not a whole lot of research in the area of uh drumming performance from a like physical performance um angle or anything really on injuries and injury prevention and like basically ergonomics and drumming so that's my all my training and most of my research up till then had been in biomechanics and ergonomics and injury prevention um but mainly with like automotive injuries or wow. uh Like both from manufacturing and from the actual cars, you know, riding in a car. And so I just decided, well, I'll just take that stuff and apply it to drummers. And that's where, uh, you know, Mike was the first person I collected data on live on stage. Jeff Burrows was shortly after that. They were kind of the first two that I I did. And then um, you mentioned Danny Miles. I think it was actually, uh, we posted Jeff's data and I'm pretty sure Danny commented and being like, you got to do me next. And then that just kind of like is how it all went from there. And, you know, I'm, I just, I just did uh, my 45th data collection with mm. the drummer wow. uh, Saturday night.
0: That's amazing. So, yeah. so what, you, you, you were in, do we call it medicine? You were in medicine already. You were looking for a, 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 a doctor to do like, where were you in life when you said oh, I, I okay. need to contact this drummer and, and, and measure his output?
1: Yeah, I was already, no, I was already a solid 10 years into my career at the university of Windsor. Um, Yeah. I, I finished my PhD in 2009 and I was already working at the university by then. And so through the years I was doing, you know, different projects and this just kind of came up and fell in my lap and we're, we're very blessed that we are, able to pursue really any line of research that we want to, provided that it, you know, aligns with our department's mission and our position. You know, I was hired to teach biomechanics and ergonomics. So, you know, as long as I'm staying somewhere in that lane um, or near it, we can do whatever we want. So it was very easy for me to, to pivot to that. And my Dean at the time was very supportive, um, thought it was a really interesting take. And okay. so, yeah. Cause you, you yeah. like
0: I know you don't call yourself a drummer, but you've, you've drummed.
1: No. Yes. You can yeah, play I've...
0: inter-Sandman.
1: <laughs> I don't <know> I, <laughs> well, actually I probably still could if I, that muscle memory is still there. I tried it not that long ago. Um, yeah. I, I've always been, uh, music has always been a part of my life. I took yeah. music lessons as a kid, multiple instruments, um, dabbled in others just for fun, drums being one of them. Um, and then I married a drummer whose brother One of his brothers is also a drummer. Um, So it's just always been around. And so when this kind of came up, it was, um, actually the funny thing is going back to Mike Mangini's tweet, a few weeks before that tweet, my husband and I were at a Dream Theater concert and I was watching Mike and I leaned over to my husband in the middle of a rock show and said, oh my God, imagine how cool it would be if I could get Mike Mangini to come to my lab so I could hook him up to all my equipment in the middle of a rock show. And so, <laughs> yeah, it never goes away. But um, yeah, so it just this is just kind of how it, it just kind of all came together um, and just landed in my lap, and I was able to pursue it. And yeah, it's just been a lot of fun and really it must, interesting.
0: It must be amazing, like just being a music fan, um, yeah. having musicians in your family, mm-hmm. and then combining you know the work that you're doing for the university and your passion and it almost seems like oh that's so amazing you know Mm -hmm. to be able to to combine the two um yeah yeah like how was that like did it change did it i don't know did it give you a bolt of energy was it oh did you think that yeah maybe they won't go for this because it's too much fun
1: Uh, no, no, I didn't think that, although I did early on wonder if they would take it seriously. Um, but it has been, but then I also stumbled on, you know, performing arts medicine as a whole field in and of itself. And there's, yeah, there's lots of people out there doing similar types of work. Um, but basically dealing with health issues across the spectrum, that performing artists face. So everything from dancers to vocalists, to instrumentalists, um, I'm forgetting the group, actors, um, you know, sure, and all the gamut of the health problems from like mental health to hearing, uh, you know, care to physical injuries, that sort of thing. Um, But uh, yeah, it definitely, um, you know, especially when I'm collecting data at these live shows and I'm, I'm sitting side stage and doing this stuff and thinking, I'm at work right now. Technically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It, it definitely has has injected some, you know. Oh, uh, I mean, found- I always enjoyed my job, but this is definitely taken it <laughs> to you another have level.
0: Found a way to have your boss pay for rock shows. <laughs>
1: this... Not well. No, this... not quite. come on, come on. <laughs>
2: So, so it's funny. Like speaking of that, and one of the questions I wanted to ask, and I've read a couple of things when you were talking about, you know, that, you know, I used the word chasing funding for lack of a better word. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it's I'm keen to know what that's like for you to get funding to support, you know, your research in, mm-hmm. you know, a fun, fairly niche. I think maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm totally wrong. No, um, you're not wrong set of research or, or, or body of research?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I, I haven't tried the federal, like the Canadian federal funding agencies for this yet specifically. Um, although I do, we're actually waiting like any day now for the results of um, uh, a grant that I put in with five other uh, percussion professors from across Canada to develop a percussion network um, cool. across the country. So we'll see about that, um, because that's, there's more than just health in that one. There's lots of different aspects um, that will be involved. So that might be, but you're right, you know, when I think about, okay, where can I apply to get money for this? Um, it It is somewhat difficult, because I don't quite fit, like I've looked at, you know, SOCAN and like some of the other arts Mm -hmm. type uh funding programs but i'm not they mainly fund artists to go and record stuff or perform or do things like that and that's not what i do um but also going to the more like medical and engineering side it is very niche and funding dollars are limited and so you know are they going to fund that when they could fund a study that's going to like improve safety measures in car crashes (laughs) you know um And and you're right. Fair is right. I get it. Um, But that's where uh, you know I was very fortunate. I found the Grammy Foundation, the Grammy Museum, exactly. And they fund scientific research. Uh, And so after once I had a few years of doing this, and I had some data, and I had you know a good foundation, I was able to apply, and I was successful. And so I got twenty thousand dollars from the Grammy Museum. Was one of five projects that was funded um, in the year that I got it to do a study um on on drumming and this one is particularly looking at drumming education and the inclusion of injury prevention within drum set curriculum
2: wow so is there is there other avenues to funding that are like that that sort of i guess marry the two versus going the Silicon route or going the
1: i haven't found any yet um I, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. I haven't really, I have to look at other foundations or even um, corporations that might like, I know mm-hmm. we looked at this for a project we were doing years ago, um, but I think it was, I think it was like Coca-Cola or Pepsi mm. funds scientific research um, oh. for very, yeah, it's like they have this foundation and stuff. So there might be some things like that, that I could try, but, um, you know, maybe I can get, what's that new water that comes in a can? It's like liquid death and <laughs> they sell it at <laughs> concerts now. I'm like, maybe I can oh. go to them and they'll fund it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I definitely think I have to go, you know, a foundations and, and private funding route because I mean, I can try the others and I will, but mm-hmm. it, I think it will be a challenge to get this through.
0: Okay. I, I didn't know funding was like a, a big issue or, or, anything like that? I thought, you know, working at the university, the university would fund some, some of that stuff, but.
1: No, I mean, they, they can't because there's so many of us that mm. they there's, you know, we, I mean, we have some funds every year that we can use for like professional development. You, you mentioned, you know, the university paying for me to go to concerts, not quite, but I have money that I can use to go to conventions and, you okay. know, things like that. But yeah, as far as the research goes, uh, we're, we're, we get some money when we first start, and then after that, you know you're responsible for generating your own research funding.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you start to collect data, let's talk about um, Jeff Burroughs. okay? yeah you, you, you hook him up to your 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 machines, you're you're measuring his output. Um, what what is at the beginning, what are you interested in in finding? And maybe if you can tell us what would, whether it's Jeff or just drummers in general, what are they interested in understanding?
1: Okay. So, again, this this branch of my research program came about because of a tweet, again, from Mike Mangini, yeah. where he was guessing at how many calories he burns during a show. Okay. All right. And by this time, we had already been in touch. And so I emailed him and said, hey, I have... These devices—they're really portable. There's no wire, like nothing that's going to get in your way while you're playing. I could bring them to one of your shows, and you could wear them. And we can find out. And he was like, "Yeah, let's do that." So we did. Um, and then that's where you know Jeff had heard about this too, and so he said, "Yeah, I'll do the same." I'll, you know, so I did that with him as well. Yeah. So it it started off as yeah, like how many calories am I burning up there? They all know okay. that they're working hard, yeah, right. So yeah. to be able to quantify that in some way um i think they they get a kick out of that okay and then when i added the heart rate monitoring too a a lot of them were really interested in that i have one of them uh said he was going to take because i give them a report at the end you know once once i've analyzed all their data And he said, he's like, I'm going to take this to my cardiologist and and see if there's like anything of interest for him there. You know, I was like, that sounds cool. But, uh, so, you know, they all have different sort of interests, but most of them, I think come at it from, uh, you know, part of it is the cool factor of like seeing other people do it and oh, that's really neat. I should try that. And for a lot of them though, I think it is a lot of them. They're like, oh, I wear an Apple watch or a Garmin, you know, when I play. So I'd like to see what your devices say. Um, so it's kind of from a general interest perspective too um but then they get this information they're like oh that's you know that peak heart rate is really high you know things like that so
0: and what are are you you hoping like what were you outside of you know calories burned or like is there anything else that you were interested in finding out that could um i don't know help make a drummer's career last longer or give a drummer less pain after a show Um, or, you know, who, oh my goodness, the drummer for you too, Larry Mullins, Larry Mullins, right? Mm. Um, Who's taking a year or two off um, and is famously missing a a Las Vegas residency, apparently. Uh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, because he's just not ready to come back and drum. You know, before Neil Peart passed away, he talked about, it's just so painful. For mm-hmm. me to continue doing this, So I'm curious yeah. if any of them are coming from that angle, or if you are, if you, as both a doctor and a fan of music, saying, "I wonder if there's an impact I can make to help the music last longer."
1: Absolutely. So, in all actuality, this, you know, live performance energy expenditure branch of my study is is really it's it's interesting, it's fun, but it's largely a gateway. Okay. to talk about, um, okay, you know, you see drummers up there, they're working hard, they come down from the kit, they're dripping with sweat. You know, I qu- here's how hard they're working in terms of calories and heart rate. Okay, that opens the door for the conversation of, if they're working that hard, what is that doing to their body? Okay. And are they preparing their bodies to be able to handle the demands that they're putting on it? So it opens up conversations about, um. You know, this is where the whole drummers as athletes, drummers are athletes comes from. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, you know, those I, I, the heart rates that I'm recording from these guys and girls, um, they are up around the same level as professional athletes um, during competitive match play. There's one, there was one paper on an Italian soccer players during competitive match play, and they were very close to the numbers that I was getting. Mm-hmm. So professional athletes don't just practice their sport, they, they go through lots of conditioning, so that their bodies are prepared to do what they need it to do during a game situation and be successful. And they engage in a lot of, uh, you know, different activities to make sure that they can continue playing for as long as possible and playing at their peak for as long as possible and things like that. So all of those things are things that I, you know, try to apply with drummers. And so like all the rest of the research that I do, or most of the rest of it is related to injuries and injury prevention. So looking at things like, you know, how common are injuries in drummers? They're very, very common. Um, What are the most common types? Okay. Now that I know that I know the general risk factors for those types of injuries, do those show up in drummers? Yes, they do. Okay. There's now a link between The injuries we're seeing and the mechanisms that we know that they happen by that's why so now i can say okay how do we handle that how do we deal with that to minimize the risk of injury from drummers exposures to those those risk factors that can lead to the injuries happening
2: Hmm. Hmm. um Leaving, leaving aside Travis Barker's injuries that happen outside of drumming, that impact mm. his drumming. Um, no, yeah. but it, it, jokes aside, when I look at, you know, when I look at the data that you had put out with um, Jeff Burroughs with the two albums and then Danny with the, Danny Miles with them, um, I think it was at least one show, but anyway, it, looking by, yeah. by song, um, mm. do you see, or or what difference do you see in uh, types of music, style of drumming? Like I'm thinking of a, you know, a double kick speed metal drummer versus a laid right. back person like Charlie Watts would have been, you know, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting actually, because I've been able to learn a lot about these different styles of music and their demands through doing this too. So mm-hmm. I, and, and I get this question all the time of like, oh, what about speed metal drummers? What about, you know, those guys that must be off the charts and they're, I mean, they're, it's up there. But they're not really any higher than your, uh, you know, the rest of the rock drummers. Mm -hmm. And I've also had some pop and country drummers, and they're pretty much in the same range. Um, And I've had some rock drummers who are actually, you know, on the lower end because they... So Todd Stuterman from Styx is who I'm talking Mm -hmm. about here. He -hmm. had one of the lowest heart rates of the group. Styx is some pretty energetic music. But Todd... um, first of all, is a highly economical drummer in terms of how he moves. And he also um, told me, he's talked about this, that he really works on maintaining his calm and relaxation while he's playing. And that really showed up in his heart rate. Um, So I haven't seen, now I haven't done enough drummers from the other genres to really do a proper comparison. But from what I've been able to see, it really has more to do with the style of the drummer than the style of the music because the other thing is with you know a lot of the speed metal drummers like you're talking about the double kick and it's you know they're doing a lot of that but they're also a lot of them aren't maybe hitting as hard because they have to go fast and so oh, it it's sweet. maybe not as strenuous like yes they're moving very fast but they're it's sometimes not moving very much you know what i mean so it it, it kind of balances it out yeah, that was a really interesting thing because I, I like everyone else thought like, oh, that must be, that's gonna be crazy, and it, yeah, I'm, that's not what I'm seeing.
0: <laughs> In your, you did a, was it an 800 person survey?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what were you asking, and, and what did you find out that uh, that surprised you?
1: Yeah, so that was sort of the foundational study for my lab. Um, that was the the start, the the starting point for all of it. How okay. big of a problem is this for drummers? Yeah. Are, are in, and it was all about injuries. So I asked them about whether they'd ever had a playing related injury, um, and what you know did they get a di- diagnosis from a medical professional? What was it? What did they do about it? all kinds of questions about their drum set, their practice habits, their performance habits, whether they tour, like all kinds of everything I could think of. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I had over, I, it was mainly driven through social media and I had over 800, uh, 800 wow. drummers. It was 862 drummers who filled it out from all over the world, wow. um, which was really cool. But yeah, so that that study is where we saw, okay, they're, like 68% of that group said they had experienced an injury. 59% said they'd had more than one, two or more, basically. Wow. Um, and, uh, but we were also able to say, okay, like we had a body map. So, okay, where was the injury? So I was able to look at the breakdown of which parts are being injured the most. Predictably, the upper limb is, you know, the most, because that's okay. taking the brunt of the, the exertion. But I was able to narrow it down. Like the wrist is a really big problem for them yeah. and also the low back. So now we were like, okay, now that we know that, Let's hone in. Let's do some other studies that kind of hone in on where these injuries, these wrist injuries in particular might be coming from. So then we did a study in the lab where we brought in drummers and hooked them up to our motion capture system. And we were able to look at their upper limb postures while they're playing to see what kind of ranges of motion they're getting into and document how much time they're spending in what we would consider non-neutral or even extreme Um postures and it was a lot (laughs) and so it's like you know okay well that that kind of explains why we're seeing all these wrist injuries because they're spending a whole lot of time with their wrists bent like this and and hitting while hitting stuff uh we did a study that looked at vibration exposure in drummers Mm. um so from all the repeated impacts and they're you know they're experiencing levels that if the if the readings that we're getting were something that we had measured on a tool that's being used on an assembly line the company would be like, stop everything. Wow. We need to get rid of that tool. We need to switch it with a new one. We need to change different things, How long workers are on that job because it would the exposures are at levels that are clearly in the range where we would start to expect to see problems. Um, so that you know, hmm. so that we're we're slowly gathering evidence to back up you know, okay, yes, it's a problem. We know it's a problem in these areas. Why? So that we can then say, what do we do about it? Yeah. and help people you know prolong their their playing careers and play comfortably and you know because yeah lots of drummers play in pain you know when you're on tour you there's no substitute worker like you you can't just call in yeah, sick that's because right. you're sore that day um so you know trying to minimize how much that happens is really important uh and for for musicians
2: and and there's a bunch of questions that I've got out of what you just said there. But the the first one I want to ask is, you know, you talk about vibration, you talk about movement. Um, Is there, is there, and I don't mean continual impact, but are there impact injuries? And like how prominent would those be relative to the motion and the vibration? Do you know what I
1: mean? Yeah. So I know, anecdotally of drummers who have, you know, smacked their finger. They just like misread where things Mm. are in space and smash their fingers on the rim of their snare drum. And at the end of the show, the kit's covered in blood and all that kind of stuff. Um, But those aren't really, so that happens, but those aren't the kinds of injuries that I'm concerned about. Obviously that's concerning. You don't want that to happen, but I'm more concerned about the kind of stuff that sneaks up on them. Mm. And that could potentially, you know, significantly impact, if not ruin their career, if it's not dealt with. Um, so those kinds of injuries, the stuff that comes more from, you know, the repetitive motion or the extreme postures or the high forces, you know, the vibration exposure, that kind of stuff. I'm more thinking about those kinds of injuries and what I can do about them.
2: Okay. And, and does, does, do you get into the equipment side of it? Like, I'm just thinking, you know, the throne, the, the sticks, the, the heads like does that come into play in your research or
1: it hasn't yet but it's on the radar yeah Uh, there are definitely some equipment things that I I want to look into um yeah for sure but we haven't haven't gone there yet because we just haven't had the chance to I mean we've only my that first study that I did was in 2018 um And, you know, it's 2023, that is five years. But for 18 months during a pandemic, we couldn't do anything because the lab was shut down. So, uh, you know, we're we're slowly getting back to it. And I do definitely want to do more um, product type research.
2: Could be your funding. Could be your next round of funding.
1: That would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah, you never know.
0: (laughs) So you've had drummers come back into the lab. Or mm-hmm. you've you've remeasured uh, drummers, a couple of years later, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are are you what are you looking for when you put them through that again? When you bring them back in your lab, are you? Um, and what are they interested to see?
1: Mm. So the one that you you might be alluding to is Chuck Como from Simple Plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, that was a long span of time um and chuck happened to be playing in windsor and he also and i can say this cuz again he he said it was okay to talk about it he came to my actual lab to do a different study when okay. he was here for a show in november he came and did the uh, vibration study that i was talking about right. um but they were in town he's like hey if you want to do the you know the other monitors during the show again let's see what happens so i was like yeah sure let's do it it's it's hard to make real good comparisons between shows that far apart um for several reasons there Mm -hmm. are any number of variables that are different between now and then not the least of which being he's five years older Um, you know so there's just differences in heart rate he i don't know if he did but he may have had covid once twice three times like i i don't Mm -hmm. know that but that Mm. could impact his His heart activity oh, during a show. Um, we what the first set of shows that we did were in early July at warp tour in ninety hundred degree heat and humidity compared to the show in Caesars, <laughs> the forum at Caesars. It's air conditioned. It's November um you know that sort of thing so there are so many things that are different that it's really hard to make like a a good scientific comparison but i think it was just interesting for for him to take a look at it and see like actually you know a lot of the songs were you know in terms of heart rate and energy expenditure were pretty close to the same like i didn't really see huge differences so you know that's i guess that's a good thing i was just
0: curious if uh if maybe Chuck was looking for a more efficient way of playing or, uh, decided after the first test, Oh, maybe I need to go see someone and help me get, you know, in better. Shoot. Mm-hmm. if that was a thing, you know, just, you know, uh, monitor my body and help it recover from injuries. And maybe I'm going to play a little bit differently, or I was just curious about mm-hmm. any of that. Have any of drummers told you that they, they're, they're, uh, taking more proactive, uh, look at that mm-hmm. uh, at their career and, and really seeing themselves as athletes
1: yeah a, a couple of them have and that's obviously really rewarding to know yeah. that mm-hmm. um, so yeah some of them who come in um, you know are are already athletic they work out on tour sure. they take really good care of themselves they know that this is you know, important to keep them able to do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of gives them like, oh, okay, like, I'm I'm handling it, I can do what I need to do. But wow, that's high. Um, yeah, and I have had a, a few who have, um, you know, that I'm still in touch with that have said things like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm doing this more, I'm doing this less, you know, things like that. Um, and, and if that in some way came from the data that I gave them, then that's, you know, incredible. That's exactly the kind of impact that I want to be having. So, yeah, that's really neat. Uh, But I want to circle back for a minute to the very beginning. You were talking about um, that with the curling Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the smoking and the drinking, all that stuff and how much things have changed now. And it's actually I've found it to be very similar with the musicians. You know, they the the perception of, you know, you know the rock star life and the parties and the drinking and the this and the that. I've been backstage often enough now to know that that's really not often a thing. <laughs> um, you know, or or because they all are just aware that they have to take care of themselves. That this is their career, they have to take mm. it seriously um, to be able to play well and to be able to handle five shows a week for. 6 weeks or whatever, you know, however long they're on tour, um if you're drinking every night and not taking care of yourself, like you're going to be really beat up by the end of that tour. Mm-hmm. Um and it can start to impact your playing and I think a lot of, you know, like I said, a lot of the drummers that I've worked with already are, you know, working out and they're not, you know, they they try to eat well while they're on the road and they stay hydrated and they do mm-hmm. like these things to keep themselves in good shape. So I think, you know, you mentioned in the sports world, I think that has happened everywhere mm-hmm. that people are taking performance and health seriously. And, mm-hmm. um, not that they don't, you know, have their fun, but that it's not the, <laughs> you yeah. know, that the kind 70s of thing. rock
2: and roll lifestyle.
1: Yeah. Like not John not Bonham. As yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> and, and,
0: um, and the way music, the, the industry has changed so much that, you know, playing is now like the thing that they must do to yeah. uh, to have a lifestyle. And so, you know, that's their it's not releasing new music anymore. It's like being on the road and getting people to buy merch at their shows and come to their shows. That's where they make yeah. their money.
1: Right. So that's right. And you can't, you know, if touring is one of the only avenues of revenue that they have anymore, yeah. you can't suck live. like you just can't because then nobody's going to want to come to your show um so yeah they and i think there's an awareness of that so they're doing everything they can to make sure that they're performing really well so that people want to come to their shows and will spend the money to do it
2: yeah and and all, all drumming jokes aside if you don't have a good solid drummer i mean that's you that's your foundation that's absolutely your foundation
1: yeah like if you're if your time is off because you're hungover or something that's that's gonna make everything bad yeah
2: when when going back to what you were talking about in terms of like you know drummers being and again I think it's many many professions but when you talk about drummers being more looking at their health and eating well and that um Mm -hmm. you talked about earlier you talked about you know drummers that were in the groove and sort of just like pacing themselves and that their heart rates were lower even though they were you know killing it on the the, the kit. Um mm-hmm. do you find drummers are looking at yoga and and mm. breathing exercises to help with that or
1: um I've spoken to a few um yoga's come up a few times okay. meditation, meditation and and okay. breathing comes up quite a bit yeah. um yeah, there's definitely an awareness of the the mental side. And, and I'm not just talking about mental health. I'm talking about, like, mental performance, too. Um, you know, being an aware that, like, that needs some work and some preparation, too, and, and paying attention to that aspect will also help your physical performance while you're on stage. Mm. So, yeah, I think, you know, that is starting to come in quite a bit.
0: Um, how did the pandemic impact obviously you couldn't get people into the lab there were no shows what what sort of research or work did you do for those 18 plus months
1: yeah that uh you know i i always tried to keep the perspective that you know as sad as i was that i couldn't be out you know doing shows and in the lab doing research and stuff that that was only peripherally connected to my livelihood mm. and so i tried to remember that like you know while i'm here saying boo-hoo, yeah my friends and and you know and, and people that i've worked with are out there like not doing what they you know what how they make their money but also their their passion right yeah so you know in that sense I, I i was you know always able to keep or mostly able to keep perspective but yeah, it definitely impacted us because we couldn't, you know, live, there were no live shows. So mm-hmm. obviously that was done. Um, even when live shows started to come back, especially like I do a lot of my data collection in Detroit, um, okay. the U.S.'s is uh, COVID restrictions loosened up a lot quicker than Ontario's did. Mm-hmm. So I would have drummers like, Hey, I'm going to be in Detroit. Let's do this thing. And I'll be like, I can't, cause I can't cross the border, oh. <laughs> you know um, that sort of thing. So uh, you know that impacted us. Um, oh wow! To be able to do that, even when you could travel, but now you need a COVID test, yeah. And you know, are you going to be able to get the results in time to be able to get back to Canada without having to quarantine and like all these considerations? Um, and then also the the safety protocols. Um, you know, I, we mm-hmm. still um, the the one sort of last thing that we we're, we're still doing is we do still mask up um when we are putting like when we're within six feet when we can't maintain physical distance especially if it's going to be for a little while while we're hooking someone up to equipment so you know I posted a picture of myself and Pete Weber um who was playing with Fear Factory that's who I was working with Saturday night and in the picture we're wearing masks because we're indoors and it's a university requirement that we have to wear them and you know some people were commenting about it and you know what have you but you know, it is what it is. At yeah. least I can be there now. Yeah. Um, but, but our, you know, yeah, it was. I had two grad students who were, you know, just about to start data collection and they had to wait. Oh. And, you know, so that delayed them. And then the projects couldn't be what we had originally intended for them to be because you know, they were now delayed, like they want to get on with their lives. So it's like, okay, instead of doing like 20 participants, we're going to do a case study with six, <laughs> okay. you know, and like to try to get them like moving forward. Um, so this year I've been on sabbatical since last July. And uh, the big part of my sabbatical has been just catching up on okay. a lot of the research that I, I haven't been able to do. Um So, yeah, so it it definitely did impact us, but it also gave me time to write the grant for the Grammy Museum, which was successful. And then also, you know, get started with that project and which is still ongoing um, and, you know, do those kinds of things, too. So I don't want to say I would have written that grant anyway, but maybe I had a little extra time to do it because I wasn't doing other things. Um, So, yeah, that's
0: nice. Mm -hmm. Um, What's what's next? for the lab, for the drummers lab? What is
1: next? Well, right now we're in a bit of a transition. Um, okay. So I had, you know, my students who were with me when the pandemic started, uh, two of them have graduated. A third one is doing her data collection now, although she's not working with drummers, she's working with conductors.
0: Um,
1: oh. It's kind of a one-off uh, study, but it's pretty cool. So, um, you know, and, and so I'm gonna be bringing in at least one, if not two more new students in the fall. So. Like time to start kind of regenerating, um, wrapping up these other projects so we can kind of reevaluate and say, okay, what do we want to do next? Um, I have tons of ideas floating out there, but it's it's a matter of picking the ones that make the most sense to, you know, build a progression from the previous work. Um, So basically that, a bit of, you know, wrapping up that stuff and then doing a little uh, debriefing and and decision-making about what we want to do going forward. Um, but it'll definitely still be with drummers and it'll definitely okay. still be, you know, in this line of work. Um, it's just a matter of like which particular projects do we want to go for next.
0: Have lead guitarists, uh, bass players, like Greg Ketars, have, have they come to you and said, hey, what about us?
1: I have had uh, I, I've had a couple who okay. have said that they were uh, a couple singers, actually, right. who have said of they course, were interested of in singers. Yeah, well, I'm I mean, no, I'm
2: I'm like, sorry.
1: <laughs> but they're pretty energetic, right? Um, but, uh, or they can be anyway. So I've had a couple who have wanted to, I haven't actually done it yet, um, but right. uh, there's one in particular who I can't name because we, uh, you know, that confidentiality thing mm-hmm. hasn't been waived yet. Um, so it's a matter of when they come around to the area and getting it done basically. Um, okay. but I still want to, yeah, I mean, the temptation has been there to branch out into multiple other instruments and I'm kind of like, no, cause that's, that's my, I think a lot of researchers do this. Like you want to do everything, yeah. but then you get spread too thin. And so I'm, I'm trying to say, nope, stay the course, stick with this group. There's enough variables with them as it is. Yeah. Um, so just kind of, you know, keep it in that lane and, uh, continue on.
0: That's fascinating. Any drummers you'd love to hook up to your... i got to say this properly. Any drummers you'd like to put into... The, no. no, honestly. Any drummers you haven't studied yet that you want to study?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would love to get Nico McBrain. Mm. Um, you know, that's a big one. Um, I just found out today that Godsmack is coming around, so Shannon Larkin would be great. Okay. Um, I do, so I have, you know, I started in rock and metal and that's where most of my participants are because it, it really does kind so, of snowball. Yeah. Um, but I need to get more drummers in other genres. So trying to get more drummers, like, uh, pop drummers in, um, so, you know, more people in, in that domain yeah. and even country you know, same thing, who are the country drummers and and getting, I have a few again, like lined up, want to do it, but just haven't been around, um, you know? So yeah, I don't, I've, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to work with, you know, a lot of the drummers that I would really want to from mm-hmm. a selfish personal angle, you know, the drummers of my three favorite bands, I've worked with all of them. Nice. So, you know, that's, that's really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the, the Canadian drummers, I think it was, was it Bayfest in Sarnia last summer? Yes. There was the lineup. I was like, five of the seven drummers are people I've worked with. <laughs> and They were all Canadian drummers. So That's that was, great. that was really cool. Yeah. So, you know, getting it. Oh, uh, Daniel Adair. I'd love to get Nickelback's drummer, um, you know, in, nice. in the lab, that would be cool. Um, yeah. So it was just a matter of, of trying to Connect and see if we can make it happen.
0: Is there a difference? You've talked about you know, not too much difference with genres, um, the playing style. Is there a difference between uh, genders?
1: So, once again, haven't had a big enough sample okay. to be able to determine that. Yeah. Um, but I, from the ones, that, the females that I have worked with and was able to get data, So one of the things that I do, so yeah, we do look at like, you know, how many calories they've burned, but you have to remember that calories are burned through muscle mass and like active tissues using energy, right? So the more muscle mass you have, the more energy you're going to burn. So we look at, I can't just compare, you know, well, this drummer burned this many calories and that drummer burned this many and oh, he, you know, he's working way harder. When you divide their calories per kilogram body weight okay. per minute mm. they're right on par
0: Interesting.
1: and again it's not a big sample i've only had three that i've been able to get data okay. uh on but when i look at the, like when i scale all the participants data those three end up like right in the middle of the pack so
0: have you hooked yourself up
1: <laughs> no I haven't mm. uh, I mean I've used the heart rate monitor several times myself because it's just a, a polar you can buy okay. them at you know uh sport check basically um but uh no I haven't I haven't actually done that but actually that is we talk about future research that is something that I do want to do is you know mm. I've worked with all these professional drummers in live show situations, what about just playing drums in your basement for half an hour? Is that still as, it's probably not oh. as intense, but is it still at an intensity level that could be considered exercise? I believe it could be, but that's something that I wanna do is, is start getting just people who are playing in their living room in their basement, you know, just for fun and, and see what that does. So that's mm-hmm. that's definitely a route that we're going to go at some point.
2: Wow. So you talk about the, the you know the, the average person at home. Is, are mm-hmm. there any are there any and I, I didn't mean to call to refer to cream that way, but you know. <laughs> um are there are there any learnings that can be applied to the average Joe or Jane like or 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 your thoughts in general of from what you've learned and what you've you've observed that can be applied to Kareem and myself. Yeah,
1: I, I definitely do think so. Um, you know, it, acknowledging that all my energy expenditure and heart rate data is in this live show, you know, situation, I still think it's, you know, it's still exertion. It's still four limbs moving. Um, you know, sometimes very fast, sometimes hitting very hard. Um, So I do think that the average drummer could consider that exercise. If they, you know, sit down and play five, six, seven songs that are pretty high intensity, they get all the way through them. I think it probably does constitute exercise. Um, But even the, uh, you know, the injury prevention stuff that we're doing, you know, uh, students are not immune to this. So you, you see these injuries in first and second year college students. Um, and again, not just in drummers and other musicians too. Anybody who's spending that much time doing an activity um, and, and it's, you know, similar postures, it's similar, you know, different, similar or, you know, the repetitive exposure to those different risk factors, they can also develop injuries that could ruin their career before they even get started. Um, so, you know, trying to talk to students and that's a, a big part of the, the Grammy museum funded project is talking to, uh, drum set teachers about the reasons why they do or don't teach injury prevention so that I can start targeting, you know, what do they need to be able to do this more so that they can impart this to their students so that they can hopefully prevent an injury by being aware of these things before it even develops. Or when they start to feel those twinges of, oh, I learned about this. I better look at changing something. Um, or, you know, keep an eye on this and don't let it go too far because drumming is not supposed to hurt. Like that's not, that's mm. not part of the package. It's yeah. not, it shouldn't, you can do things to make that not happen. Um, so if they know that early on, we can deal with it before it gets to be hugely problematic.
2: And it's interesting because if you think about it, it just dawned on me like pro athletes have that entire infrastructure that you feel the tweak, you, you know, the, the lower body, in, in, whatever it happens to be, right. They have yeah. an entire structure behind them where mm-hmm. musicians don't. So yeah.
1: yeah. And that's where, you know, the Performing Arts Medicine Association that I belong to. Um, and there are a few throughout the world Um, you know, that's, that's where we're, we're all trying to work in that direction to be able to support performing artists, um, in uh, taking those, you know, the things that we know from sports science and ergonomics and all those other things and bringing that into the performing arts realm because it is physically intensive and you can get hurt doing it if you're not you know, paying attention to these things, Mm -hmm. but people don't like, uh, you know, I, I played the piano for, I took lessons for nine years other than like, Oh, make sure you warm up, do some scales. Like nobody talked to me about Mm
2: -hmm.
1: injuries that, and, and maybe because I wasn't going to go and be a professional pianist. So maybe they figured it didn't matter, but, (laughs) but uh, it, it just never really came up. I don't think people really Thought about it in that context mm-hmm. you know like oh yeah like you, you probably could get hurt doing that if you did it often enough yeah um so raising that awareness is really important
0: dr Nadia thank you so much yes for thank you coming on and chatting with us about this we've uh, we've we've learned a lot uh, and, uh, and and on behalf of drummers and musicians professionals <laughs> uh, weekend drummers kids that are just learning um you know I, I think the work that you're doing um you know whether it's it, it'll be a, a quick change or a slow change i think over time there'll be a an understanding uh, amongst music teachers that you know we need to teach these kids as well how to take care of their body so that they can just continue to to play and enjoy music so
1: thank you so mm-hmm. much oh thank you very much and thank you for inviting me to uh be on the podcast Happy to be here.